Hello everybody, this is Curtis from Tremble letting you know that we are brought to you by Shudder. Shudder is the horror movie streaming service that brings you all the latest and greatest that horror has to offer. But you don't have to take my word for it. You can use TremblePod, that's T-R-E-M-B-L-E-P-O-D, when you sign up for an account. This will give you a free 30-day trial on us, so you can check it out for yourself. With that said, let's get on with this week's episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Tremble, the horror movie podcast. I'm your host, Curtis. With me, as always, is Stephen Taylor. How are you doing today? Pretty good. Doing okay, actually. And it's funny, I'm piggybacking off of a, a conversation we just had um, off the off recording about Zac Efron. Mm. <laughs> we were talking about it. And this has something to do with horror. And it's kind of funny because we're kind of tying him, him into it because... Um, <laughs> Like we only really know him as Ted Bundy when it comes to horror right now, right? Yeah, like, that's probably the closest we got. But they're remaking Firestarter right now. Yeah, he's in it, isn't he? He's the lead. Yeah, he's the dad. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, and it's got Michael Gray eyes. Who, if 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 any listener out there has not seen Blood Quantum yet, fix that. Yeah, like now. Jeff well, Barnaby rocks. I hope one day we can get Jeff Barnaby for this podcast because I just that movie rocks. I think for the Firestar remake, they posted something about like the fire effects in that movie. It was mm-hmm. seemingly so innocuous, but it looked so cool. I'm like, yeah, it does. That's what I was just looking at, honestly, because I went to Zach Efron's Twitter and that's the first thing on it. And I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. I still find it hard to believe that he would be a dad. <laughs> like, I, yeah. he's, still, he's still high school musical to me. So the fact that like, yeah, Zach Efron's a dad. I'm like, eh. still neighbors to me. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Or, or, um, or even, uh, the beach bum. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, and I know a lot of people don't share my, my uh gusto for that movie but uh i just love harmony korean's like florida trash work so much yeah and i have a soft spot in my heart for the beach bum mm-hmm. so uh yeah uh we're talking Very about ravenous this week which has nothing to do with zach afron no uh, <laughs> but uh nonetheless still still a good movie uh out of the two movies we watched for the set of recordings like this one was the one that i enjoyed the most i think just because it it's a movie that's funny it kind of is like subtly a horror movie like when it starts off it seems almost like a comedy almost like it's not quite horror but then it just like a settler film almost yeah that's really how it establishes itself is just kind of like this outpost movie of like you know trying to establish uh lines of, uh, of control across the frontier mm-hmm. manifest destiny yeah absolutely yeah that's exactly what kind of a movie it's a manifest destiny movie um and it's like essentially it's about the greed of the human soul yeah mm-hmm. um but i i think if anything this movie really does kind of yeah it, it shifts into the cannibal stuff 
but it does so in a really subtle way. Uh, like the he licked me, he licked me. <laughs> for yeah. spoilers, spoilers for uh, a great line, but like, yeah, it uh, yeah, it's a movie that kind of like eases you into it. But when you get going, it gets going. Mm-hmm. Um, but what is Ravenous actually about? Ravenous uh, official summary: Captain John, who is posted in the remote Sierra Nevada, finds himself in some rather crazy company. Soon, a stranger who has apparently barely made it alive uh, relates tales of cannibalism and gore. So, and, and I, you know, I love the fact that it's it's an outpost full of rejects. Mm-hmm. It's it's where we don't know what the fuck to do with these guys. We're just gonna send them out of here. Like even uh, Neil McDonough's character, who is yeah. like who is like essentially like super soldier. Like they establish him as as such like immediately. Mm-hmm. And you're like fuck. Like yeah. Why is he sent away? Oh, probably because he can't. He doesn't really. He's not able to uh, to kind of pal around with others. He's not a team player. He's just this psychopath. Mm-hmm. That that shot when he's introduced and it's just him screaming in the water. Oh, so good. It's so good. It's <laughs> so good. And I love that his name's pri- his name is Reich. Like, yeah. His, yeah. Yeah. It's it's interesting. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I mean, David Arquette's a fucking stoner. <laughs> yeah, like, David, David Arquette like, is, is like Toffler is a fucking coward. Mm-hmm. All right, like they all have their reasons why they're there. Yeah. It seems um, almost like Suicide Squad. You know, they're all yeah. they're all there, but for maybe not the reasons that they ideally want to be there. So well, and, yeah, but and then like the the dichotomy is that Guy Pierce uh, uh, Boyd is like it's oh, it's just serendipitous that he's there. Like it's just like he's just had like just bad things that that just kind of snowballed into this situation. Mm. Like he's not necessarily. A horrible fuck up like the rest of them yeah yeah he just got a little, a little scared in a battle which mm-hmm. i think many people would probably if they were in that situation um i think at one point too they tell him that he would have been shot for that if he hadn't have actually turned it around yep. and captured it for them yeah um so like already he knows that the 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 military just don't want him anymore right and he's being pushed aside on top of having immense ptsd from i mean he was like under a pile of all of his dead comrades as the blood was running down as which and now that how we, great is that scene though that seems yeah awesome and i mean now that we think back about that scene that was technically the first time that he tasted human blood and human mm-hmm. whatever so who knows maybe that's where it all started for him but yeah, it's that's another thing about this movie that i i really enjoy is there is a lot of little bits of foreshadowing all throughout it and like little bits of oh yeah this is probably the true nature of this character mm-hmm. like, especially in the dialogue like the dialogue the things that the characters say um it, it always comes back around in, in the end which is so cool mm-hmm. um yeah no uh this is a movie i largely enjoy uh i think the only thing that really takes it out for me is the the casting of um, one of the higher ups, uh, the actor that plays him, I'm trying to remember his name. Jeffrey he's Jones. Like, Jeffrey Jones. Yeah, we talked about this a little bit off air, but he's a really problematic guy. Like, 
he got caught like soliciting a minor. Like he's honestly, I, I'm not gonna hold back here. He's just a piece of shit. And yeah. uh, mm-hmm. watching this, I just I have a real hard time watching it with him in it because I'm just like you're you're just a fucking piece of shit. But I mean, then again, you know, Marvel just found out that Taika Waititi was like being in a polyamorous thing, making up with people. So I don't know. Movies work with people and there may be problematic. So I don't know how big of a deal it is, but for me, it was really distracting at least watching this. I'm like, no, you're, you're just a piece of shit, dude. Like, yeah. I I mean, I don't want to say that polyamory is on the same level as soliciting a minor because in my mind it it isn't, but um, I, I also like kind of am, am almost a little glad that my, movie knowledge or actor knowledge is not always up to par because for this one I recognized him but I couldn't put the pieces together in my head of like oh that's that guy that you know the mm. the the principal from Ferris Bueller that's what I always know him as mm-hmm. the, yeah. the creepy principal um <laughs> and watching this movie just because of his costume and I think he weighs a little more in this movie than he did in Ferris Bueller I didn't even put it together in my head um which kind of sucks because I did like his character right and it's it's yeah. hard to separate it when you go back and you realize, oh yeah, that the actor is a total douchebag, yeah. and he's also part of a the the really incredible ensemble that was Deadwood, uh, that we got three seasons in a movie out of, mm-hmm. um, and just uh, by far one of my favorite shows of all time. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'll I would say otherwise. I love this movie. I think just. Yeah, his presence was a little too distracting, but I, yeah, like Taylor, I imagine a lot of people will probably not even pick up on that and just be like, mm-hmm. yeah, he's the, he's the guy from uh, First Bueller, so. Yeah, because, uh, I mean, the, he wasn't, he's not a big enough actor for that scandal to be on the level that's all, uh, uh, all up on our faces, like, mm-hmm. like, uh, like a Kevin Spacey scandal or Army Hammer or stuff like that, right, so. Yeah. Well, and I th- I think it kind of came out a little before people were kind of paying attention to that mm-hmm. as much as they are these days, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So kind of uh, like I've always known that he's just the creepy principal from Ferris Bueller who solicited a minor, right? Like that's always just the the little tidbit of trivia I had. Especially when you watch Ferris Bueller, then you're like, oh, like you hate that character even more so. Yeah. Um. But yeah, recognizing him and other things is is a different story. And and I did. I did like the character that he played in this movie too. I thought like that character just added a, an interesting element, an extra interesting element and character to the, this whole band of uh, people that were living at this place. So disappointing. Mm. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, when was the first time uh, you both watched this movie? Uh, I it was a uh, something that I just kind of bought as a previously viewed movie, um, like in Rogers' video times, where they were just kind of like, where you just kind of walk to a wall and you're like, oh, that looks cool, and grabbed it. And me and a group of friends watched it, and we were just so fucking on board. And I think that's just why the movie still has um, just like a a, a good memory in my heart because uh i adored that movie <laughs> looking at my imdb page i scored it a 10 so i fucking loved this movie <laughs> mm. 
Um, and I, it's definitely not going to be everybody's tea. Um, and the director, Antonio Burr, she, she since passed away. Um, but she worked closely uh, with uh, the person that scored the movie, uh, Damon Albarn from Blur and the Gorillas, because uh, they did this score together. And it's just like uh, that wow. movie score is something that I think about so often, like even like it, it, it occupies the same type, type of real estate that like Hans Zimmer and uh, and, uh, you know, Danny Elfman or John Williams and those kind of direct those kind of composers clint mansell like it occupies that same space in my head as like some of my favorite scores of all time and uh i mean robert carlisle and and guy pierce in this are like such formidable foes that i really mm -hmm. love them and the reveal of calhoun becoming ives is one of the coolest reveals um ever in my opinion yeah when he he you the first shot you get of the new captain is from the back of his head yeah. and even then you're like oh my god he was ives the whole time yeah it was that was so good i love that so much yeah, yeah. I, I i just i love the construction of this movie um and and the indie feel to it as well i really like as well and um i just don't i i feel like this movie doesn't it's one of those those uh, thrillers that that edge on horror that doesn't feel like it's um, that it has been propelled on the back of any previous thing before it, uh, and that's what I really enjoyed about it as well. Yeah, it definitely feels very unique in a lot of ways. Like, I mean, well, later on you get movies like Bone Tomahawk that are mm -hmm. like similarly like cannibalism in that time, but uh, I mean, obviously, it's such a huge difference in time between the two. But, but I have to feel like Zoller had watched this movie. Oh, and 100%. Was like, That's cool. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, it was really watching this movie in the big in the beginning when they're talking about I when he, I think it's when uh Robert Carlos first talking about the story, telling the story of people mm -hmm. eating other people and then going mad and and after you eat that first little bit of flesh, you become like crazy almost. Um, and it's funny because um, the other podcast that I do every once in a while with my friend, just casually, we talk about like, or we're creepy things, internet things. And our first episode was on Wendigos. And as soon as I heard him talking about that story, I was like, oh my God, this is a Wendigo movie. I am so ready for this. I am so ready. They're like lost in the mountains. It's going to turn into just a cannibal nightmare. And it that's exactly what it turned into. And it was amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that that whole uh, Robert Carlyle too. I just I really like him as an actor. So anything that he's in, it's he's got a charm about him and the mm -hmm. characters that he does that I just wins me over every time. It's there's he's got like a sparkle in his eyes. He really yeah. does. Yeah, and the camera loves him. The mm -hmm. camera absolutely loves him. There are some shots when he's got the the blood cross on the forehead and everything that I'm just like, that is like that is part that has to be part of your fucking actor reel. Like mm -hmm. it's just. Ah oh, man, he he's just shot so well in this movie. Totally. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, no, this uh, this movie movie's really good. Um, first time I watched it though, uh, to get back to that, uh, was for the podcast. Um, I think I'd seen like maybe bits of it before, but I don't. I'm not concretely remembering watching the whole movie. Kind of similarly to our last movie, but. Uh, yeah, 
because uh, I mean, back in the day, kids, you, this may seem foreign to you, but you, you would have this thing called cable, and you would just turn it on, and sometimes <laughs> there would be movies on, and you would just jump, like, into the last 10 minutes of a movie or last, like, you know, a half an hour of a movie. So there's a lot of movies like that where I've watched, like, bits of it, but I haven't seen the whole part. So, so parts of this seem familiar. Like, the scene where um, he jumps off the cliff, I definitely remember watching that, but... Mm-hmm. Other parts of it, I'm like, I, I don't, I don't think I've, I've ever seen this. So, I would say this is the first solid watch of it, and uh, yeah, it's good. Mm-hmm. Still weird to think that I can watch this and other horror movies on Disney Plus. Like that still right. just seems so foreign to me. Like <laughs> House of Mouse has a bit of a dark side to it. So, oh, I wouldn't want it any other way though. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah I, I think similar to last movie for me, too, this was the first time I had watched this movie, and I didn't even know this movie existed. I think I had known th- the Ravenous title, but it, I thought that was the uh, the 20, I think it's 2017, a French-Canadian movie that mm-hmm. I don't actually think I've watched yet either. Um, and that, every time I'd searched, that was the one that came up. So I figured, oh, Ravenous, that was probably that one. And then I watched this movie, and it's, honestly, I love this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am very, very happy that it has come up on the podcast so that we can talk about it. <laughs> and it's cool, because it was also shot by Anthony Richmond, uh, who did the cinematography on it. Um, and uh, peop- uh, as far as genre films go, he shot Candyman. Mm. And and he also did Don't Look Now. Okay. Cool. Uh, right, we got a couple emails here. Uh, let's see. David says, Ravenous is so good. Glad to see you all covering it. I watched it a long time ago, but wanted to revisit it for the podcast. The score and camera work are stunning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although I, think, I, we haven't talked yet about um, the chase scene. And this and this the music that plays when um Robert Carlo's character is chasing um the priest character through mm-hmm. the woods mm-hmm. and there's like banjo music or something. I can't even remember now playing in the background for, for comedy. And yeah. then at the same time, Boyd's character is coming out and reliving his PTSD by seeing his like captain dead on the ground while this music is playing in the background. Mm. And and I, there, I think there's even, like, I think the music is cued by Robert Carlyle saying run or something like yep, that. Yeah, it is. He says run, is. and the music kicks off, and then it stops at a certain point, and then later on, I think he also kicks it off again by, I don't remember what he says, but he's always the one that's kicking off these the music, mm-hmm. and I don't think that music ever comes back again later on in the movie. It's just, like, for that specific chase scene, and it is hilarious it seems a little out of place especially when boy's character is going through some trauma but it's like hilarious otherwise and i i actually kind of have enjoyed it this is pitch black comedy because it really is there's so many beats in it that are they're supposed to be funny but they're supposed to be funny in that that darkly bubbling up sort of way like it's Mm -hmm. i mean the, I, the tagline for the movie is you are what you eat or you are who you eat. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, that yeah. is a hundred percent tongue in cheek for sure. Yeah. Yeah. There was like a little bit of like drama with this movie too, like behind the scenes, mm-hmm. like stuff like apparently at one point, the director of home alone three was attached to make this movie. 
weird. Yeah. Which apparently the the cast stubbornly were like, no. They actually like legitimately staged a mutiny uh, to make sure that uh, the guy never made it to set. So, which I find interesting. I find hilarious because, like, I mean, I watched Home Alone three when I was younger, and I mean now, yeah, it's a garbage movie. But like when you watch it at the time, you're like, oh, okay, sure, it's a dumb little kids movie. But yeah, I just want to imagine they're like, yeah, we're bringing the guy from Home Alone three to make this movie, and they're just like, uh, no, we're out of here. <laughs> yeah. That- that would have been a little bit too much hijinks for this movie, maybe. I think so. I think maybe they read too much into the comedy to to do that. Because, yeah, funny movie, but, like, not quite Home Alone 3 funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, yeah, that's a stretch even to say the Home Alone 3 is funny because it really isn't. Um, Henry says, as a gay man, this movie has all the hot men I need. Yes, I would even fuck David Arquette in this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of attractive men in this movie. Um, I feel like that's pretty common in a lot of action movies, though, is hot men fighting each other. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, and like, it, there, there's I could see like a little bit of like homoerotic undertones in this movie, mm-hmm. not in a mm-hmm. bad way. Like mm-hmm. that's not a criticism. I you know, but I was like, I can I could see like the uh carlisle and guy pierce's character maybe having a bit of an affection for each other so oh man there's a whole line where uh i'm pretty sure Carlyle about his virility after becoming a cannibal so yeah. there was definitely some sort of like i don't know if it was a running theme but it was mentioned at least once that you get uh, a better libido when you become a cannibal so who yeah. knows maybe we can take that as a maybe he was hitting on him a little bit maybe mm-hmm. he was like yeah you want to be a cannibal you want to come join <laughs> yeah hey i'm just reading into the former director thing and i i just you went with home alone 3 as the descriptor and i'm like he he also did scooby a uh, james gunn's scooby-doo yeah oh the live action one <laughs> yeah well, that, yeah yeah did both he did both of them uh, raya gosnell oh i do like those <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, the, I don't know if a lot of that atmosphere would have translated into ravenous necessarily. No, 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 no. They're He's, kind of their own thing, but I did like this movie. I don't. The, the thing about this movie is it's so like in 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 its visual tones, it's very muted. Besides the blood, um, mm-hmm. so I don't see somebody as colorful and vibrant as Gosnell as a director, uh, who basically yeah. became a kid's studio director, um, making this film. I don't. I the the the. The subtleness, I think, in some aspects, in visual aspects, is what makes Ravenous work in, yeah. in a lot of ways. So, yeah, I don't see, I don't see his vision jiving mm-hmm. uh, with the script, even. Yeah. Yeah. Might have been a little bit too silly, otherwise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. the 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 dark comedy. Yeah, it, it's it's a fine line for a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, you you push too hard on one side, you're gonna fuck it up. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Uh, best line. In the oh. Movie. Uh, I put. I, uh, much. <laughs> I put eat to live, don't live to eat. I like that. That was a good one. Uh, uh, mine's definitely a, a Calhoun line. Uh, well, what do we call him? Calhoun or Ives? 
Oh yeah, I would. I right? had assumed that he was Ives, basically, right? Like yeah. even if yeah. he wasn't really Ives, that that was kind of the role he assumed. But I, 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 I like when they're li basically lying, dying together. And he goes, if you die first, I'm definitely going to eat you. But the question is, if I die, what are you going to do? Bon appetit. Eat or die. Yeah. <sighs> just Carlisle, man. Carlisle can just any you give him any dialogue. He is going to do some work to it that you did not see within it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And right before that, too, when when he first gets trapped, he, he says, what was it? Uh, I uh that was so sneaky or something like that and the way that he says it he's like congratulating him being like wow mm -hmm. that was that was pretty good you got you really got me there um mm. yeah but like any line that he says is just like oh it's so like he totally becomes this character and anything mm -hmm. that he says is just like kind of creepy i'm looking over the huge list oh i in the beginning before we knew his name i was just calling him scraggly guy <laughs> scraggly oh. guy um I liked there was a uh, when I think the indigenous character's name was George or something mm -hmm. like that. Um, he's telling them uh, Boyd and the captain guy, the creepy principal from Ferris Bueller. He's telling them about um, the story of the Wendigo and being like, yo, this connection, there's a connection here. Um, and the Ferris Bueller principal guy is like, that doesn't still happen anymore, does it? Mm. And George <laughs> ends up and it's translated, but he basically says, White man eats the body of Jesus Christ every Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> I thought um, that was pretty funny. <laughs> there's there's so many great lines because I had a couple of runner up runners up too. Like um I, I really like the Robert Carlyle line where he's like, I found your private Reich up there, or what was left of him. You didn't finish. Well, I can't blame you. He was tough. Yeah. Says, and then he pauses and he goes, But then a good uh, but then a good soldier ought to be. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. just all so like so funny but on like a pitch black level. Even uh the dreaded heart which we're we're throwing daggers at cuz it's Jeffrey Jones. He says it's lonely being a cannibal. It's tough making friends. Like Yes. Are you fucking <laughs> like come on. Oh. And yeah. then when they're sitting down to eat the the stew later, he says, "Well, isn't this civilized?" Like cuz they're all sitting down for a meal together even though they're cannibals eating another human being. <laughs> yeah. Oh man! Yeah, those little one-off lines. I could literally go through all of them, but we would be here for the rest of the podcast. That's... They're 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 good little quips that really turn this from a just like a regular cannibal movie into like the black comedy that it is. Well, yeah. I mean, I know, and I know it was like a like kind of like a first watch or a first full watch for you guys, but like rewatching again for me, it was like, why the fuck am I not watching this almost yearly? Because mm -hmm. it it does have that quality of like. I will still chuckle at the same things. I will still be enamored with the same stuff that happens in it. I will still be on the edge of my seat for for some uh, parts of it. Like yeah. mm -hmm. there's just so much about this movie. This movie will still exist like the score will still exist on a loop in my brain. Like there's just so much I love about this movie. So yeah. uh when I when I gave it a 10 originally when watching it like way back in my beginning of rating on IMDb I don't think I'm wavering, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, and and I think that's another thing is that there are almost little bits of dialogue that were put in there for a rewatch so that a person who's already seen it, he's talking about himself, Captain Ives, and... Yeah. You know? um, I think even um, Hart, the character Hart at one point 
when like before everything has gone down when boyd's character first gets there he says something like my advice to you don't get sick i'd say don't eat but then again most of us have to which is the whole theme of the movie where mm -hmm. once you turn into a cannibal that's what you have to do to you have to human people you know you have to eat meat and mm -hmm. like that there's just so many little things like that in this movie where um it's kind of the same reason that I rewatch Hot Fuzz so often and, and all of those, uh, like the Cornetta movies, because mm -hmm. there's so many little in-jokes that yeah. almost exist for the rewatch mm -hmm. in that way. Yeah. Um, all right. Best performance. This might be tough because there's a lot of great performances in this. So many good performances, but um, this movie... I mean, it hinges on on Carlisle because if Carlisle's performance doesn't work, the whole movie doesn't work. Because um, I mean, he's able to play wild-eyed, crazy person, scraggly, as as Taylor put it. <laughs> um, but then he's also able to play like refined Ives in the yeah. same vein that you you do know this is the same dude. He's He's two sides of a coin, you know, and it, I don't know, it just, it, I mean, Carlisle became one of my favorite actors from this point on, like this and train spotting on. Mm. And uh, he's still, a, I mean, I will watch any movie if I see that he's in it. Yeah, yeah. honestly, the same. I, and it, it's, I think I also have to go with best performance to him because I, I agree. He, he is, he brings the character to life, right? Like it's, it's, Everything about this character is is because of Robert or uh, Carlisle. So I can't not. Yeah, I have to. I mean, I might have a little bit of a crush on him, but, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. I, I, have, I have a bias and I'm willing to admit it. Uh, I'm not going to go with Carlisle just because great as he is, I didn't realize Jeremy Davis was in this. And, no, he's uh, always fun. Yeah, he, he's got one of those actors that like anything he's in, he's great he was in saver private ryan twister lost justified uh he was in that uh the last god of war game that came out like he's got a pretty good resume of stuff that he's been in and uh yeah just and I, he's been charles manson before too yeah so yeah I, I really dug his performance in this i thought it was great uh, he's just one of those actors that, like, I don't know if he fully gets a lot of the recognition. And yeah, there was a lot of probably better performances, but I was like, man, I want to just take a take a moment to appreciate uh, Jeremy Davis or Davies. I don't know if it's Davies. Davies or, yeah, it's Davies. Yeah. Um, I want to take a moment to recognize him because yeah, he's very underrated for what he does, and I think he mm -hmm. does a really great job in a lot of the movies that he's in and shows too. Um. Best kill. There wasn't like a whole lot of kills in this. Oof, Boyd's shin bone when he falls is uh, yeah. I know it's te technically shin bones aren't alive, but in one aspect, the shin bone died, and in the second aspect, my ears died when they add those sound effects of him pushing it back in. Oh. Not, not yeah. my favorite point in this movie. Also, every time someone falls off of a mountain and I expect them to die, they don't wind up dying. So that's another. Yeah, well, but... you like hit like those branches; they soften his fall, right? So that's how that works. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and even in the first when they first set out, I think the the I don't know if he's a priest or what exactly his role is. He's the religious guy who's writing the hymn. He ends up like almost falling off the mountain too, 
And I remember writing in my notes, oh no, is this it? Is this the death of him falling off a mountain? Mm. Yes. Yeah. It was just, yeah, it's kind of weird. It's like, okay, you definitely should have died from that, but uh, yeah. Yeah. I think Reich's death is the mm-hmm. the most like he gets knifed in the stomach and then he falls off the mountain, but he doesn't die until after when he like gets hung upside down, like almost similar to the way that the corpse or uh, the skeleton was in the whatever the chamber was that uh, Ives was in, I guess, mm-hmm. Um, mm. which was interesting and super creepy. Like the what they ended up doing with his character while he was like eyes wide open, smiling underneath there was so creepy. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I and the jump scare of it too. Mm-hmm. The yeah, jump scare. Yeah, I yeah I dig that's mine for sure. Is is uh, Reich? Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Uh, actually, can I add a, 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 an honorable mention? It, mm. it, only because it's in a dream sequence. Right. Uh, when he's stabbing David Arquette to death and, and pulling chunks out of him. Oh, yeah. And, oh, he's, yeah. and, and, and Arquette's laughing. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, we don't appreciate David Arquette enough in this world. I will no. say that. It, it, people should watch uh, You Cannot Kill David Arquette. You need no. it, People need to see that fucking movie. That's a pretty great movie. Oh, fucking good. <laughs> It's funny, too, because I feel like if I was going to hang out with any of them, like, on that, in this weird mountain shack, his character would definitely <laughs> be the one I'd chill with the most, you know? <laughs> for sure. Yeah. For sure. Oh, you need us to go out and grab some food? Cool, buddy. Let's go out there and grab some food. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess, like, for me, like, my favorite kill was probably, like, the one at the end with um, the, the two, and they're getting, like, pinned by the bear trap. It's kind of mm. like... I don't know. I just like that. I like the the fact that poetic. They, yeah, very wow. poetic. Very like, yeah, synced up. Yeah, it was it was good. Uh, Whether kind of leaves it almost kind of like reminded me a bit of the thing in that like you just don't know mm-hmm. who really makes it out of that alive. Maybe neither of them do. Maybe one of them does. I don't know. It's kind of left open. I kind of dug that. I was like, kind of leaves it open for you to interpret. I think mm-hmm. probably the safest assumption is that they both died, but. I don't know. Maybe I want to believe that Carlisle has eaten enough corpses that he was able to pull that out and walk away unscathed, but who knows? Ravenous 2 taking place in 1955. There we go. With uh, Ives now being like a Wall Street businessman or something. <laughs> the uh, cannibal of Wall Street. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. Dumbest decision in this movie. I don't know if I have something that immediately comes to mind, but I don't want, I want to say like an anti-dumb decision a little bit. Every time shit goes down, Martha, uh, her character, she gets out of there. Yeah. She leaves somehow. Yeah. She, it's like, oh, oh, we need someone to walk and get the, the captain to take this man to jail. Yep. Hand up mm-hmm. in the air. I'll go. You want, you want someone to leave this creepy ass place? I will do that. Right at the end of the movie, when she walks in void and, uh, Ives dead. She's like, "Yep, nope. This is my cue. I'm, I'm gonna get out of here." And I feel like that saved her life multiple occasions in this movie. Um, so I wanted to give an anti-dumb decision award to her. Yeah, um, yeah. I think it's hard to pick um, because I, I feel like every character, um, aside from from Ives, um, leans into their character flaws, and that's mm-hmm. just. 
uh, it could be con- constituted as a dumb decision, but it just is just who they are. It's just it. There's nothing that betrays what character has been set up for us, and I think that's why um, it is such a moral and survival and power decision for each of these characters' reactions to Ives. I mean, Hart buys into it immediately because he's a coward. You know, I mean, he's. He's a coward that also wants power. I mean, it's how he's risen to his rank in 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 the army, and now he's going nowhere because mm-hmm. um, he's at this butt fuck nowhere, you know, outpost, and no, you know, everyone's forgotten about him essentially. Um, yeah, Ives is able to. Ives has an immediate power, whether you know, beyond just being a cannibal and having this infused power of eating other people's flesh, that he is also has the power of the mind and, and influence and um and and enticing qualities within his speech that yeah like he's ultimately the most powerful and everyone is just fucking horribly flawed mm-hmm. well and the story does a really good job of like nobody in their right mind would give boyd the benefit of the doubt considering what it looks like from the outside you know? mm-hmm. i mean uh, Martha and David Arquette's character, I honestly don't remember what his name is, um, they leave to get food and come back three days later and everyone's gone, and he's the only one that comes So mm-hmm. there's really, like, him telling this story when most people don't believe that Wendigos are an actual thing, like, it makes sense to think that he probably just went crazy and killed everyone, and it's mm-hmm. give mm-hmm. characters the benefit of the, of the doubt when they're dealing with a situation like that because it makes sense that they would react that way you know i i feel like one of the dumbest characters knocks um he's made some pretty bad decisions in the sense that he's trusted bad people but i think with his knowledge and experience that it makes sense so it's it kind of it's it's hard to say it's a dumb decision because it kind of seems like the only decision he could make i guess being mm-hmm. his character yeah mm-hmm. Uh, Arquette's uh, Cleaves, Private Cleaves. Cleaves, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. The Hobbit of the group. Yeah, yeah. Smoking uh, that long bottom leaf. <laughs> I think, like, probably dumbest decision was probably. I don't know. I getting, like, stabbing a dude and forcing him to be a cannibal. Like, what would happen <laughs> if he was just like, yeah, I'm just going to die? Like,. That was a pretty big risk. Like they were also, they seemed pretty gung ho on having him stay alive. So, stabbing him and thinking that he was gonna, he was gonna eat that that man meat was like, oh. <laughs> we're like, now into a different movie. Yeah, ravenous, eat that man meat. <laughs> ravenous the porn parody. Um, uh, the fan fiction. Yeah, yeah. it's just, a, it's just, this is gay porn, bear I'm, porn. I was watching. I'm like. This guy, what if he just like decides he's not going to eat it? Like, is he just he, and he croaks over and dies? Like, are they going to be like, well, that was disappointing? Like, you know, just mm-hmm. seemed, seemed like a weird way to force a dude to eat uh, human flesh. So, yeah, well, it's interesting too because there's some parallels between Robert Carlyle's character and the Boyd character in the sense that, well, at least I guess in the story they initially told or that uh, the scraggly guy initially tells when he first gets to the camp. He's talking about him being a coward and not being to 
uh, resist or, or things like that, right? Or not being able to stay and help people. And, and there are some parallels almost between him and Boyd's character that kind of made me think that maybe he just thought they were more... There was maybe some sort of kinship between them that he could mm-hmm. convince him to come over to their side. It's maybe because uh, the Hart character, too, was so easy to convince. But And as we all know, it's lonely being a cannibal. So maybe he just wanted some cannibal friends. That makes sense. <laughs> we could all use some friends, cannibals or otherwise. Maybe that was his flaw. Yeah. Just, <laughs> lonely. Needed some yeah friends. He's just lonely, which is... Uh, everyone has a flaw that's relatable. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, his other flaws I can't really relate with, but that one. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. You know, hard time relating to you when you're a cannibal, but you want friends. I can I can relate to that. Uh, okay. I think it's time to rate this movie. Where we think for a score. Uh, I I I feel like I have to go first, so it doesn't sound like I'm just copying Steve's score, which I feel like happens on a lot of podcasts because I <laughs> I want I want to give this. I want to give this a 10. I want to, like, there, there's nothing in my mind that, oh, no, like, other than maybe some, but honestly, that kind of added to the absurdity in my mind. Mm. Um, And, yeah, Robert Carlyle, I mean, he's just, his characters are always so good. And I, obviously, we have to uh, give some of that to the writing and stuff, too, but um, I, this is definitely one that I'm going to come back and watch because it's just a good time. <laughs> it's just yeah. a good time. And the story is so good. And the the way that they introduce things and, oh, like I'm still, we talked about the introduction of him as the Captain Ives character when he's reintroduced almost. And that still is like mm-hmm. an ah oh, moment to me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think I have to give this one full marks. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's my that's mine too. And it, it's just, you know, it, it is the perfect combination of everything working like the cast is is so well put together um and just every character is so believable in their respective roles um i mean this was my first i think this would be my first time seeing neil mcdonough um and, and this is every time i see him now i think about this movie um and uh it also like antonia bird I, I we lost her in 2013 as i said uh she was only 62 years old but she didn't make movies like this this was such an oddball movie for her dude she did the mad love one i i think it was the i want to say it was o'donnell and um um drew barrymore like yes she Chris did O'Donnell, like a, drew barrymore yeah and she did like she did rom-com she did a movie called priest with uh uh, Linus Roche, who people may know from Mandy, um, and like she, she didn't do like more, more um, uh, like human dramas. And so this movie is such a swerve in her career, and also how closely she worked with Damon Albarn, who, I mean, you're not going to see him score. I don't think you're going to see him score another movie again. I think this was a, like a one-time deal. I think he puts all that energy into gorillas now, which is evident if you ever listen to or, or watch any of their videos. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just such a, a product, like a zero focus product of 1999. Yeah. And um, yeah, this is, it's, it's still such perfection to me. I, I absolutely love this movie. I watched Mad Love back in the day, and I remember that was even that was kind of like a dark movie too, mm-hmm. because like mm-hmm. in it, I'm pretty sure. Uh, well, it's actually on Disney Plus. So maybe I should go rewatch it. But uh, 
Drew Barrymore's character tries to like kill herself and Chris O'Donnell tries to like convince her that like you know she shouldn't kill herself but like still it gets pretty dark at times Mm -hmm. and not like the most competent movie but like thinking on it like you can maybe see a little bit of like where that comedy mixed in with darkness like that black comedy kind of comes from uh Mm -hmm. i would say yeah i think ravenous is her best film i'm i'm Mm -hmm. not gonna drink the kool-aid and go full 10 out of 10 on this but uh (laughs) i'm gonna go with a 9 out of 10 i do really enjoy this movie it's it's definitely one that i would wouldn't mind revisiting uh i think my major complaints are uh the fact that uh yeah jeffrey jones is just in a movie I, I, it was very distracting. Nothing to do with the movie's fault per se, but I just like it's 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 really tough. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think like some of the humor maybe didn't fully work for me. Like a lot of the jokes were really funny, but some of them I was like kind of scratching my head. But like it wasn't too many of them. I, I still would recommend this movie for people, especially if you're a horror fan. There's a lot here to dive into, and that final battle between. Um, Guy Pearce and Carlisle were, was just fantastic. Like mm-hmm. it, it really almost plays like in a way that like, not, not too many horror movies really have like an end battle that just kind of draws out like that. Not in a bad way, but like it, it was I don't know, just very meticulous and well thought out. And I really appreciated it for that. So yeah, nine out of 10 would definitely recommend. I mean, we did make the cherry flavored Kool-Aid, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I I would drink the cherry flavored fillet otherwise. So this is. Very <laughs> um, I'm but, satisfied. I'm satisfied. I'm satisfied that we that that you know we got a, a fellow ten and and like I mean, it, it's not like it dipped into like an eight or a seven. You know what I mean? It's still. No. I, I'm sad as as the cha- as the the one that's championing this one, um, and, and I you know I feel the love for it, so I'm happy. You know, if we can make a Snyder cut, maybe we can make a cut uh-huh. of this movie without Jeffrey Jones. So we're like, gonna we're gonna replace Jeffrey Jones with Tignataro? Yes, a hundred percent. Okay. And, and if you do that, this movie's a ten out of ten. Uh, you you know you put Tig in any movie, I'm a hundred percent on board. She, um, largely for me was my favorite part of Army of the oh, Dead. Oh yeah, best part of so, Army of the Dead. <laughs> that that line of just like two million dollars for me alone. I'm in. What yeah, you don't want to hear yeah. that? No, my I hate my life so deeply that anything is better than that. I was just like, oh, you're the best. I I don't know if we've talked about Army of the Dead because I think it came out between recordings, but mm. uh, yeah, that's a movie where I think the first hour to ninety-ish minutes is solid, and then the last hour of that movie is complete trash. Uh, well, when you start killing characters, and I don't give a fuck. Like I, they're not developed enough for me to really care. The only one that I honestly care about is probably Big Dave, but that's because he's Big Dave. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. So yeah, I mean, maybe my bar was so low. Like I came out with like a three out of five on yeah. that one. Um, but I mean, there's still so many fucking issues for it. And what fucking like it's dumb balls to be like, I'm gonna I'm gonna be the DOP on this movie too because well I just fucking do everything. Like Zack Schneider really has fucking ego. Like well, everything well, he does is well. with a fucking e- obvious ego, and now he's talking about like his vision of the Dark Knight Returns. Like fuck off, man. Just <laughs> fuck it, fuck off. I think yeah, the problem. I... 
Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, I, I attempted to watch this movie, and then it kind of turned into Fast and the Furious with with Apocalypse, and then I was kind of... I, I tuned out a little bit, unfortunately. Because it just kind of became, like, pure action, and mm-hmm. it's not my jam all. Did you guys feel that for being a movie that's based in Las Vegas, that it really doesn't utilize anything about Las Vegas, about real Las Vegas fucking whatsoever? They yeah. name drop it a lot, that's for sure. Yeah. But like the 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 sets are like really fucking generic. Even when they go in the casino, it's fucking generic. It's almost so like so like they can show these characters jumping over like like poker tables. Yeah, like running across poker. Like it's the only device they really use it for. And they needed a place to have that would have a big safe. That's a big vault. That's it. Like I... it just felt like they didn't give that. It was just like a buzzword to use. Hmm. I would say we would talk about this on a future episode, but I feel like I don't really think it deserves. <laughs> no, I don't think this movie is going to, I don't think that movie is going to be remembered beyond this year. No, I don't. I think it'll, it'll be only be remembered because it's so soon after the uh, Schneider cut. Yeah. Well, you were talking about like him being the DP. And I think the problem with a lot of these uh, move, well, Netflix in general is they let these, filmmakers go hog wild because a lot of times the studios will rein them in and then when they go to Netflix and Netflix is like hey we think there's value in you doing whatever the hell you want I mean like look at Scorsese and it's like four hour long uh, <laughs> movie right like they don't mm-hmm. rein these people in because I think they're worried right like they're worried that the, uh, someone like a Zack Snyder or Martin Scorsese is going to go walk away because they're feeling like repressed or whatever but I think there is some value to a studio saying like, hey, your movie should be 90 minutes long and that's it. Like, honestly, yeah, Army of the Dead should have been 90 minutes. It, it, it didn't need to be longer than that. But, uh, yeah, maybe go watch it. I don't know. Get, it looks well, cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, if anything, uh, was Brad Garrett? No, not Brad Garrett. Something Garrett. Garrett. Oh, Garrett Dillahunt. Yeah. He always plays a good dick. And he was a great dick in this movie. And he, I, I was, <laughs> I, I slightly, maybe I like a 65, 75% enjoyed his final scene. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Although there was a scene where he goes to like, he locks someone behind a grate and like, they can't get out. And he oh, basically, and, it makes... and then, <sighs> and then they go to like, and then this person manages to make it out and is in front of the entire group and could easily be like, he tried to fuck with me. And instead she's like, cool. She peace. says nothing and gets killed. Yeah. Yeah. She says nothing and gets killed. And then he does the same thing. <laughs> like he repeats the same thing. Yeah. No, this Ugh. Movie, the movie's uh, just stupid. It's, it's just, it's, it's messy as all fuck. Yeah. And yeah, you, you don't care about anybody in it. No, no whatsoever. Definitely not. So. <laughs> Cool. And Zach hates women. Yeah, well, that that too. Yeah, that too. <laughs> they only have one purpose, and that's to further the male characters, and then they're done. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was a, the other... Maybe just as the last thing to talk about. Because is, isn't part of the main character 
story that he is a, a love interest that dies and then he like immediately just moves on to the next love interest as soon as there's like another hot one. <laughs> no, you know, he he's aloof to the to the to how that person feels and that she reveals to the or to to him how she feels and how that's the only reason that she's there and then immediately dies. Yeah. <laughs> immediately. Yeah. Uh, Zach just oh come on man. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're gonna get we're gonna get hate bombed by the fucking cult, but oh yeah, by the by the uh, guys... s- the masters of cinema known as the Snyder yeah. fans, yeah, yeah. I just okay, we have name. lots of Kool Aid. We have lo- we'll share it around. <laughs> get on the ravenous train. It's a ten out of ten. Woo. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> that's why I disguise his name. He's Zork Spider. Every time I ooh, post good about idea. Him. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Zach Spider. Um. <laughs> Steve, where can people find you on the internet? In case they want to yeah. review bomb you for not. Yeah, I'm gonna get stuff. review bombed. <laughs> I'll, I'll get DM'd about how I didn't love Justice League enough. Um, so yeah, I'm at the Steeple Dead on Twitter and Instagram. I am also at uh, SteveStebbing.ca is my website, and you can hear me every week on uh, the Shift with Shane Hewitt, which is uh, from what they tell me the uh, the number one late night spot right now. So I'm really. Um, proud to be part of that one and it's uh my spot is 11 p.m on thursday nights uh that specific time uh, check your local listings nice taylor where can people find you on the internet like three places instagram twitter <laughs> and my blog my username is circianic and my blog is circianic.home.blog nice and i'm over at threegrinders.com where we got stuff going up almost every week uh, we do have a movie commentary coming up for um, the uh, second Nightmare on Elm Street movie, Freddy's Revenge, which I've warned Lee, who I'm doing it with, it, that it's the gayest horror movie of all time. Like, and apparently inadvertently, like you should, yeah, he should, Lee should watch Scream Queen right after. hundred percent. Oh yeah, that was good. Yeah, yeah, that was a good documentary. I really enjoyed that. Cool. Well, the next uh, two uh, recordings will be on, let me see here, Aliens and Evil Dead 2. Two amazing sequels. Heavyweights. I'm excited. Heavyweights. I mean, Aliens was appreciated as time. Evil Dead 2 needed time to... for for people to settle it into a heavyweight position, but, oh, man. Yeah. I wonder if Evil Dead 2 is on Shudder. Might be probably isn't but now i've set it up for failure now people are gonna go look and they're gonna be like kurt you're full of it i can find evil dead on shutter <laughs> no it looks like it's actually not which is very disappointing because that would be the greatest place to watch it but uh just watch now someone at shutter who works there's gonna be like just to prove a point i'm gonna put it on shutter before we put this episode out oh yeah it's gonna oh. be on there when someone searches i'd guys, love to have that kind of control guys it's, it's <laughs> right? on it's on the amazing streaming service known as Tubi. Ah, Tubi. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Everyone's like 18th favorite uh, streaming service. Right. Aliens is on hey. uh, Disney Plus at least. So. Yeah. It's on the list at least, you know? It's on the list of streaming <laughs> services. It's a slightly above some other ad supported ones. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, until next time, everybody. Bye for now. <laughs>